What's up, everybody? This is uh, AJ, and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. Let's lower that down for a second. It's uh, John Zorn in Naked City. We were talking about Naked City last week. Boy, it's a lot of it's a lot of busy noise there. Oh, hello. Yeah, Naked City, John Zorn. John Zorn actually made a lot of music videos, but also had this very weird sort of jazz fusion noise rock-esque sort of outfit called Naked City. And of course, we're calling Lee. Hey there. Ah, hey, buddy. What's up? Hey, buddy. How's it going? It is going, sir. The summer is is steamrolling along, which I love. Um... How are you, good sir? Is is are, are you healthy? Are you feeling good? You ready for a pod? I'm feeling good. I'm pod ready. I responded ready spaghetti to your text, and then I mentally was trying to go through all the other words, the different kinds of pastas, and rhyme them with other words that would make sense as a rebuttal to what you said, but I couldn't do it, so I failed. I was thinking the closest I got was uh, Swelly Rotelli. Swelly Rotelli. Wow. Um... Yeah, was it was it really Fusili your only choice? Nah, all right. No, no, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> so, um, man, a lots lots happened in my life in the last couple weeks. Uh, did some camping, as I like to do. I um, I'm a fan of dispersed camping. Um, it's essentially free camping. Um, on a forest road. You hide all your stuff all over the forest? Um, that would be more like a scavenger hunt, but I guess that's like free <laughs> camping. I guess that's like free yeah. camping. No, but you can, um, you can essentially camp for free in any national forest in the country. So national parks cost money, but national forests are free. Interesting. Yeah, so... Um, you could start a, you know, they have fire rings pre-made if you want, or you can just go out in the middle of the freaking wilderness. It's uh, it's pretty great. Well, what's the difference between a, a state forest and a state park? Um, well, these are these are national forests, so I, I I don't know what state parks and state forests are all about, but I know that a national forest you don't have to pay to get into, and a national park you have to pay an entry fee. So that's, that's what I meant. What's the difference between those two things? Like, what differentiates them? Um, like, I don't know what a lot of the rules are, but I know that, like, Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado um, is is particularly beautiful. It appears that they, they segmented off, like, the most beautiful part of the Colorado Rockies to be a national park. Um, Makes sense. And, and so there's Gunnison National Park. Actually, I think Gunnison might be a national forest. But anyway, yeah, Rocky Mountain National Park is, is close to Denver, but it's, it's, it's pricey. 10 15 bucks, 20 bucks to get in. Um, but it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And um, what I prefer is national forests, which are, you know, you're in the mountains and you're going up a road. And um, it, there's I found clearings and valleys and streams and, and mountains that, that have great views for camping. Um, but it, it takes you a little bit long, like, it takes a little bit more, I don't know, searching around. I have to nag my friends to, to keep looking for better, better and better camping spots. So I, I haven't really done much camping in that, that like, 
that real time like witness. You know what I mean? Like I'm used to Pennsylvania camping, which is like there's an entrance and you walk in, there's like R V parking. But this is you're talking about like going out like in the mountains and just camping somewhere. That's yeah. about, right? It is so much fun, man, because yeah, like that's, Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm a city boy. I'm from New York, and I, I, I am not a survivalist at all. But the the roads you're on are, are unpaved, and, and they're rocky, and, and you got to go slow on them, and you're going up a mountain. But there's a lot of people, you know, there might be people in campsites within a couple hundred yards. So you have the safety of, of like, there's a road nearby, there's people nearby. Park ranger comes at dusk, he drives around to make sure... So, like, there's security and safety, but you don't see anyone around you. You don't hear anyone around you, and you don't see anything that's man-made. You just see pure nature. It's pretty dope. Yeah, that's cool. You ever worry about getting murdered up there? No. No, I don't. That's not a Pennsylvania <laughs> problem, I guess. Um, no, it's an everywhere problem. I, I, yeah, probably Pennsylvania. Actually, that's funny. So I was camping alone last week, uh, last Friday. I got out of work early, headed up. Eva was hosting a friend in town, so I, I got away by myself. Um, and I set up my camp, and I'm just enjoying this beautiful view. I have this big clearing, essentially to myself. It was like I had 20 acres uninterrupted by myself. It was crazy. And this guy comes walking along the dirt road, and I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? He's like, hey. And we, he starts drums up some small talk about the rain and we just start talking he's super pleasant guy and yeah it's like that thought comes in my head where i'm like i could is this am i gonna is this where i have to defend against a murder <laughs> yep but no there's enough people oh, around me no they, that dude knows like people can hear me scream you know what i mean yeah <laughs> people can hear you scream <laughs> People can hear you scream. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if I've ever screamed. I don't know if I've ever screamed like a hundred percent of my screaming potential. You know what I mean? Just like mm -hmm. only a freak, only like a life or death, insane situation can get you to that hundred percent scream. And I've never been there, and I just wonder what it sounds like. Well, what about pledging? <laughs> we made you yell, right? Yeah, but that was more yelling things. Right. I mean, we did do like the war cry, the war cry, but we were all, we were also fucked up. You know what I mean? That nobody really knew what was going on. Yeah. Especially after not sleeping for like you know. Right. <laughs> Those are the days, Lee. Um, no, you're right. Those are the days. You're right. Like a a war cry is like a conscious yell, right? And and what you're yeah. describing is is this other sort of primal thing that that is scared out of you it's not something that you do yourself involuntary yeah, yeah. that's true i mean so i my friend jano here in denver uh he is a hilarious person and he he um he lives up to the the stereotype of like the super loud black person which is great um <laughs> but like yeah. we'll, we'll be in the park and we're we're throwing the frisbee and we are just bombing it out. We're throwing like 70, 80 yard just bomb Maruskis, you know? And um, yeah. and Jono fucking just whoopam throws one and it's perfect. And it just sails through the air like 80 yards and just lands perfectly 
in our other friend's hand. And it and he and he yells he just lets out a woo! Just a real excited woo! And it was as loud as he could it was like, you know, from the bottom of his soul. And we're in this big open field. We're in a public park, pretty much Central Park for Denver. And you just hear it through the whole park. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> like, fucking everyone, everyone heard that shit. That's cool. Echoing through the mountains. Yeah. And this, and it's like a pure expression of his enthusiasm. And like you said, it's like, man, how many, how many of those do we have? How many of those do you get? In, in a day, in a week, and how many of those do we want to do or, or our body should do to be healthy, but society, you know, we have expectations to not scream in public kind of thing. Yeah, can I even get to that level at this point in my life? Like, at this point in, like, the development of my mind and just, like, being cynical about shit, like, could I even get to that point of my being, that extreme point, or am I, like, too controlled at this point? That's another feeling I have. Interesting. This is why I love going to music. Mm -hmm. I may have, we may have talked about this before. I, this is one of the reasons I love going to music festivals because people dress loudly and like freaks and weirdos that they are. And in many ways, I feel like it's the only place where people are truly expressing themselves like the exact way that they want to. And it's, I love it. Like, I'm like, the, that's why I go to a festival and I'm in the parking lot. I'm like, these are my people. The fucking weirdos, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple revelations while camping. It was, uh, it was, it was funny. Well, I mean, I, I've been camping two weekends in a row. This will be my third weekend going. So I've been doing a lot of it. And... I've been just thinking a lot and meditating a lot on certain things. And, um, yeah, thought of a couple cool things. So, um, the first one is, is a a simple, um, HR and, and, and corporate culture building activity that is very simple, but I think if it was employed at every company, I think every company would run a lot better. Okay. My, my idea is uh, we, we call it now, we call it lunch it forward or we call it the lunch game. But it's pretty much um, I invited uh, Andy, um, a, a manager in another, on another team in the sales department. I invited him to lunch. And I said, Andy, I'm taking you to lunch. And um, I, I really please accept. And if you do accept, I'm buying and um, you got to tell me sometime in the next two weeks that we can go. And we have to talk about something important during this lunch. What's important to you? What's important to me? Non-work related, work related. I just want an intellectual conversation and, and a meaningful conversation about what's important to us. Um, so the, the, those are the, the first two rules. One, you got to say yes and, and, and go within the next two weeks and I buy. The second is we got to talk about what's important. The third rule is that Andy, by accepting my lunch offer, has to offer somebody else lunch in the next two weeks. And he has to buy somebody and then continue this pattern so that people are buying lunch for people in, on other teams and in other departments. So eventually we're all buying each other lunch at, at work. What's yeah, I like that. It's like uh, kind of an icebreaker, 
but also it's like puts you in an uncomfortable situation potentially that can make you grow. I think so. Well, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll also put it to you this way: like when you're with your band um, or playing music with anybody, um, do you think uh, do you think it's beneficial to like? care about each other, get to know each other more, understand the other person's motivations, kind of build that that bond that isn't necessarily the notes that you're playing. Oh, definitely. Right? And like like being strangers with someone or having a uh, an awkward vibe or just not knowing what that person's all about versus like I know what what's important to this person, I know why this person comes to work or joins this band or plays these notes. And, and they need me to accomplish that. I'm there to help them. Um, they stand for the right things. And, and I now care about them because we, we've had some, some mutual activity and some, some, um, some quality time. So, yeah, I think it's great for, like, interpersonal. Real, it makes you feel more fulfilled at work, but it, makes you, it drives you harder to want to succeed for others that you work around. Now... Just to play devil's advocate, do you think that the the kind of isolationist uh, nature of our current society would allow for that to be ongoing, or do you think it would kind of get caught up? Well, it has to be ongoing, because the only way that Andy was able to accept my lunch invitation was that he had to invite somebody else. So he could he could... Um, he could decline my invitation, but then I would have to, I would still be obligated to take somebody else out to lunch. You know what I mean? Okay. So what, is, it, is there a punishment if you don't, or is it just all in good fun? No, cause some people are busy. Some people have kids. Uh, some people just, yeah. you know, uh, are not come are, are, are introverted. Like that's fine. But, um, it's kind of everybody. In the office, I feel like I have five of these people, but I, most people in our office have one other person where they look to and they're like, man, this guy's cool. We get along in the office. We've even mentioned, hey, we should grab lunch sometime. Like everyone has that one person where it's like, I want to get to know that guy more, that girl more. And then you, yeah. now you have a reason to. So it's like, all right. So I'm loving it so far. We had our lunch last week. It was great. Nice. Yes, Serena. Now, does, it go, does, it go, does it go in between genders, or is it gender neutral? Are you got a person of the same gender? No, I, um, fortunately, we have a lot of women in our, our office, um, so I'd love to make, there's no law, rule for the genders. Um, the rule is you have to be on another team or another department, so you can't be like, I'm just going to take out my friend who I work with every day kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to start a second, because right now there's a single wave of lunch at forward going through the office. We're on like the fourth or fifth level of the that first wave. Um, I'm thinking about starting a second wave. There's um, one of our new sales directors, Katrina. She's like her and I just, she's like this 40, 30 something year old, 40 something year old woman who's just fucking smart as shit and funny and like fun. And, like, her and I, just, like, we look at each other, we're like, we got this vibe. Like, this would be fun if we fucking went out to lunch, you know? Yeah. 
So I'm thinking about starting a second wave, starting it with her. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm, yes, sir. Like, uh, like, row, row, row your boat in her arms, and everybody starts, like, mm. one word back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, yeah. And it's, I think, like, I don't know, man, there's little little HR things that that companies do that end up changing whole industries and changing company dynamics. Like, there are weird, my, my um... My friend Heather is an office manager, um, and she worked at a hospital, and she implemented this daily huddle thing where she got the team together every morning, um, cross-departmental teams to just, like, do a five-minute rundown for, like, a focus for the day or, like, a quick shout-out of a good job, uh, like a huddle. And then she would also do something fun, like today's today's National High Five Day or or today's today's National Donut Day, like or today today's talk like a pirate day. But she would find all these weird yeah. fucking ones and just make work fun, you know? Yeah, just to get people to think a little bit differently. Yeah, she ended up getting um all these doctors in the hospital like thought it was great and she ended up getting an award for it, um, from this nonprofit organization and then she got she got interviewed for a magazine here in Denver. Um or and no, actually no, a national healthcare magazine, it was. So she like got, it it worked out for her professionally, but it was just her being herself because she's a person who's filled with love and energy and creativity. So yeah, that's a good thing. You find your calling. Hmm. Um, I got a couple questions for you, sir, before I go to my second breakthrough. But do you have anything before I ask you a couple questions? Um, just uh, the last thing about, like, doing different things to make you think differently. It just reminds me of, you ever heard of Brian Eno? I've heard of him. I don't really know who he is. Uh, just like a producer, musician from, like, the 80s. But he would go in and, like, if bands were having trouble writing, he would do this cool thing, and this always stuck with me. He would have these cards, and he would give a card to every member of the band, and the card would say you had to do different things, like... Like, maybe everybody, like, switch one instrument to your left. Oh. Like, doesn't matter what you play, just, like, try it out. Or, like, one card will say, like, only play the bottom two strings. And so huh. each person would be doing something completely different than what they were normally doing, and that's how he would get, like, amazing work out of these different bands. Just reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, I mean, when I when I am slowing down, uh, working a particular task, I always want to... Um, switch up the task, do something, do something completely different, um, activate my mind and stimulate my mind in a different way, you know? Yeah. So that's, um, similar. It's that plus the social aspect and the team building aspect of having to creatively and collectively solve a problem or, or work together to make your environment comfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're all, it's crazy if you think about it, like everyone you work with, everyone you've ever worked with, if they weren't getting paid, they wouldn't be there. And same with you, you know what I mean? If you weren't, no matter how passionate you are about like your job, for the most part, if you're not getting paid, you're not going to do it. So I just think that's a, that's a crazy thing that our society is based on. And then you got to look at all the things that people do that they aren't getting paid for. Like for me, you know, making music. Or, you know, we're making a podcast right now. We're not getting paid for this. Like, so why are we doing it? And just 
the intrinsic motivation that people have, um, and when you you know combine it with other people's motivation to create something. That's a great point, Lee. That you just made me think of a bunch of things in the future. Um, I think, yeah, I think that all of us will be working for no money or we'll be working for free. Uh, I would never work for free in my current job. I sell software and it's fun and I love it, but I wouldn't, it's, it's a job. I do it to make money, but there, the, the doctors I know, the lawyers I know, the teachers I know, the musicians and artists I know, they would, they would be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, musician, even if it paid nothing because... Or even if it paid pennies, rather, even if it was just a basic living wage, they would still do that because that's the the creative energy in their heart, and that's who they want to be. That's who they are. Um, as naturally as I want to, I want to be who I am every day. Like they want to be a doctor or a teacher. Um, I think in the future, when things get automated, we'll have a basic living wage. And I also, as a socialist, I think that we should eliminate um, the resource hoarding and the the interest rate, bank system, um, the finance system, the market economy, the idea that you exchange your labor for a piece of paper, then exchange that piece of paper for something that you need that someone else worked and exchange it for paper. Like, come on, guys. We'll be able to uh, figure that out Um, and pretty much still have all our iPhones and vacations and everything else. We have the infrastructure. The infrastructure's not going anywhere. We can still have that and um, have a basic living wage and then do what we truly want to do. The argument against that, people always say, like, ah, oh, people are going to be lazy. You can't give people things. You can't give people handouts. If people are provided for, they'll be lazy, and then we'll never get anywhere, right? You've heard that argument? Oh, of course. Right. So what about the Rockefellers? Do you think that – what about the Carnegies? Uh, what about Elon Musk, Georgia O'Keefe? Albert Einstein, Bill Clinton, every single innovator and every single culture, society mover and prog- progressor in our history has been from some form of the aristocratic class. And by aristocratic class, I mean people who have time to think, people who have their basic needs met um, that essentially are provided a basic living wage. All the, Everyone who was able to go to Harvard and learn, <laughs> you know, they weren't in a factory yeah. 16 hours a day and they weren't worried about their next meal. They had those things provided and thus they were allowed to innovate. And so in the future, the future, um, my vision is that all of society will be aristocrats. All of society will have their basic living needs met like the aristocrats, like the white European men of all of history have gotten to enjoy. Um, everyone will get to enjoy that. So we will have 10 times more Elon Musk's and Einstein's and everything else. And it'll actually be better for society. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest challenge I think is regulating the, the free market mm. along with the idea of, you know, socialist programs and all that kind of stuff. I, I was a Bernie supporter. You know what I mean? I don't know what the right answer is. Mm. And, Nobody really knows what the right answer is when it turns to governance because so many different things have been tried throughout history and pretty much everything has failed up to now. And, I mean, the United States has been around since 1776. That's not very long. Right. Um, I mean, China's been around for, you know, a couple thousand years. China. Something like that. China. Um, yeah. 
But, uh, you know, people, people come into the political spectrum and act like they know the answer, they have it figured out. But, no, nobody has any idea what's going on. Like, we wake up in this weird-ass dimension, and we're, uh, you know, inducted into this society with all these different layers, and we just have to figure out what's going on before we're too old or sick to be able to figure out what's going on. Right. So it's... People act like they know what they're talking about, but no one has any idea what the fuck is going on. We're just all trying to do the best we can, and some people have their own self-interest at a higher level than others, and that's where you get the freaking, you know, Rockefellers and Mm -hmm. Federal Reserve uh, going on, and then you have people like us, who even if we were very wealthy, we probably wouldn't be doing too much different than we are now Mm -hmm. in terms of our personalities. Yeah. Lee, I do know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was explaining this recently how like capitalism um and, and the free market is based on, you know, social Darwinism and, and survival of the, the smartest, if you will. Um and it's this this um this concept that our our socio political or our, our financial system is um, based on like naturalism, like the natural order and natural sort of humanism um, and animalism that governs um, our biological drives. You know, capitalism kind of says like, well, this is natural. Humans are inherently greedy. And therefore, as John Maynard Keynes said, capitalism is the idea that um, selfish people will do selfish things for the greater good of society. <laughs> But, um, you know, capitalism is rooted in this idea that, like, this is our natural state. We are greedy by nature. And socialism um, is the exact opposite. Socialism as a sociopolitical state says, yeah, we may be be animals and our animal tendencies may may show that competition and, and selfishness and hoarding for your own gene pool and progeny is natural, quote-unquote, but we're human fucking beings, and, like, we've evolved. We're animals with a with a brain plopped on top, and we can evolve beyond this social Darwinism. And, and socialism is the idea that we can plan society, that we can plan. The, we have set amount of resources. We can get together and collectively decide and plan the best way to enhance society. And we've figured out, if we want more Elon Musk's, we give people more time to think, learn language, have equality, equality of opportunity, as I've said before. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. a I'm a know it all. I'm I watched uh, I watched a great TED talk the other day. I can't remember who it was by, um, but it was talking all about how we we've gone from a market economy to a market society where everything is for sale and there is no limit to what can be bought and sold. And mm. just talking about the ramifications of that, and is it a good thing? Is that the way that we want to be going? Where you know, but uh, who knows? Yeah, totally. I love TED talks. I think I think my new one of my oh, new great. my new topics will be. Um, do you want more Elon Musk's? <laughs> and like, which which society do you think will produce more Elon Musk's? You know what I mean. Because I think that's what it comes down yeah. in a practical. It's a good practical argument for socialism. 
Yeah, it's just, it takes a lot of cooperation, which uh, our species has not been historically great at. Mm. It's like we're great in small pockets of cooperation, but once you get too big and everybody becomes too different, that's when you get the conflict. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely lost that hive mind being humans, and, and so we try to recreate hive mind. We try and recreate the efficiency of an anthill, you know, by with collectivism, by... by trying to overcome um, the temporal parietal junction, which is the, the thing in your brain that says that you end where your skin ends and your life started at your earliest memory and your life ends at your, your, your last earthly memory. So we, we kind of are trying to overcome that, you know, like the individual soul. We're trying to say like, ah, we're smarter than that. Let's come together. But like you said, it's hard for me to feel empathetic to a person who's on the other side of the world who looks different from me than talks different. It's just easier to, to not consider that part of my kin, you know? Yeah. Mm. Tough. I got a, got a question for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not ask yeah. questions? Um, yeah, I'm going to change the subject here, um, but but I want to talk about this for a minute. Back in college, um, you uh, you changed your your body physique, and I recently changed like my physique, and I lost weight because I went gluten free, and I got back into lifting weights, and um, kind of opened up this channel of communication between my 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 stomach and my brain, um, and I started talking to myself and learning a lot more and. I feel better than ever, but I, I'm wondering about your journey. Um, what happened if, if there was a, a point in your life where you got more into fitness and why you got more into fitness and how it changed your life? Um, I mean, it, it kind of started in my, in my mid-teens when I was, you know, puberty kind of changes everything. Mm. And, uh, you know, once I started looking around and looking at the girls and looking at myself and being like, well, I'm probably going to have to do something if uh, I want any part of any of that. Totally, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was probably like 15, mm-hmm. and my dad, uh, my dad's a diabetic, and uh, he had gotten pretty heavy back at that point, and uh, his doctor, who's one of his uh, friends, said to him, if you don't lose weight, you're going to have to start giving yourself insulin shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad is not a big fan of needles, so... <laughs> Uh, he was like, oh, I, I, I guess I better lose the weight. Mm-hmm. So me and him did it together. He lost uh, 65 pounds. I Whoa. lost 35 pounds. Wow. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I just fucking torched it off. I mean, my mom had an elliptical machine, and, and one day I was just like, that's it. Like, I'm, <laughs> done, being, I'm done being a fat kid. That's it. And nice. it was like one day, I was just like, that, that's the end. That's it. So I would go on my mom's elliptical machine for like six hours a day and then do push-ups until my arms fell off. And I mean, doing that for like, I don't know, an entire summer, so like four months, four four or five months of just going at 110%, um, that was where it all started. And then when I got into college and into the fraternity and Nick McCormick actually took me, uh, put me on a, a, a flat bench for the first time. Uh, back in like 2006, uh-huh. um, and then I just—I honestly just got addicted to it. I, I saw results real quickly because I was eating really well. Um, 
which I still do. I, I just kind of got that junk food idea out of my head. Like, oh, mm. you're not eating unhealthy food anymore. That's just the way it is now. And I was like, all right, that's it. Mm. So uh, obviously it's not that easy for most people, but I was lucky that I had the motivation to, for some reason, do it. But, um, yeah, I just really got addicted to seeing results and just feeling really good. Yeah. Um, I love my, one of my favorite things in the world, and Joe Rogan agrees with me, is to get high and then go to the gym. Yes. Because it's, uh, THC is a vasodilator, so it just opens up all your blood vessels and just puts you in this zone where you're just ready to go. You're just, you don't feel the pain. It doesn't even feel like work. You put some earbuds in, listen to music, and it's like you're in another dimension, just like pushing and pulling, like the space itself. It's, it's definitely very crazy. Uh, so that's just one of my favorite things to do, and that's pretty much what sustained me over the last uh, 10 years of lifting and doing all that. Nice. Yeah, man, that, that weed thing, like all ton of, tons of the MMA guys, like Joe Rogan says, they all do the weed, the Brazilian guys especially. Oh my god, it's amazing! I get I get by far my best workouts when I'm high. Oh yeah, I don't work out if I'm not high, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, and and I, I feel like um, I'm I'm able you know I'm a little bit more creative. Um, my my brain is able to my consciousness is able to drift and um, be more creative and think more metaphorically, and I'm able to get kind of swept up in it right when I'm high. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there will be moments I can pump myself up easier. I can mentally go, okay, let's get pumped, charge it up, like channel the universal energy, channel the energy of, you know, your family. And I, That's what I do. I channel the fucking trees, and and I, I feel, I, I try to get down microscopic. I visualize the blood rushing through and the, the muscles pumping against the, the, the bone, you know, and Oh, it's easier to do that if you're high. <laughs> oh yeah, it puts you in that that state where you just you just you feel like part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been doing that since I was then seventeen. You get to eat afterwards. Yeah, exactly, dude. You're all fucking pumped up, and then you go you go stuff fucking protein in your face. It's great. Oh my god! When I get home from the gym, I just I eat everything that is in my house. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. At work today, I um, you know before I go to the gym after I'm done with work, I I go outside. I hit the pen. I I ran back inside to grab my shoes, and and my coworkers like, oh, what'd you forget? I was like, I forgot my shoes. I was like, but I never forget this. And I I show my vape pen, and they're like, you're doing that before you work out. <laughs> And yeah, they're like all weird that, that I'm doing that before I work out. I'm like, dude, I can't not do this before I work out. I was like, I've been doing that. And yeah. I thought about it. I was like, I've been doing this pretty much every single workout since I was 17 years old. Like I've been doing this for like 14 yeah. years. <laughs> I, I said that to some people and they'll be like, oh, I feel like I would just fall asleep. And I'm like, well, you just got to get some sativa. Yeah, get that sativa. Or like be fucking well rested. There's so many... Dude, everybody in life is sleep deprived. Everybody in my office could totally go to sleep like at any point for three hours because they all they're all on like <laughs> six out. Like I think, I really think the body should have eight hours of sleep. Regard, I hate people. Oh, I'm a night person. Oh, I just don't need that much sleep. It's like no, your body has adjusted so that you can survive and not feel like shit all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
That's what I think. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big proponent of six-hour sleep. Yeah, but now there's so much new science. You know, J.J. Watt gets fucking 12 hours a night. (laughs) Like That's that's crazy. Yeah, dude, on the hard knocks, he's like, bro. Yeah, in hard knocks, he was like, bro, I'm up to like 10 and a half, 11 hours. It's awesome. And he's he takes like strategic naps throughout the day. Like he's got he's got trainers that that schedule his naps for him. <laughs> Next level. Oh, so he's not sleeping twelve hours straight. No, but he's getting like eleven plus hours every night. Yeah, that's crazy. Because doctors are like, oh, because because he's a main because he's a machine. He's a, an insane person, you know. So like. He he's burning like twenty thousand calories a day. <laughs> he's probably gonna die when he's like, like forty. Michael yeah, like he's. Yeah. I I'm sure their cell divisions are like three times faster. Like he's he's Benjamin Buttoning. Yeah, just just to keep up. Yeah. So, what was the motivation for you to not do the junk food? Was it just more I'm um, getting laid, or like you said, you're addicted to the results? Um. A little bit of both. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it just uh, the way I think about it is there's, and I've been really, I, there have been periods of time where I'm just, I'm deep in. Like, every day, like, everything is calculated in my head. Like, I don't write, I don't weigh out my food, but every day, everything is calculated in my head. And there have been times where I'm just, like, tunnel vision, just, like, doing it. No, for no reason, it's not like I'm competing in contests or, like, anything. I just have this internal, like, uh, the the sack inside me is like, don't you do it? Like, don't come back. I'm not <laughs> right, 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 right. So I, I, I try to stay away from them. But at this point, it's just second nature. I don't even really think about it. Um, but the, the way I see it is that, obviously, it's different for each person, but there are rules. If you want to get into certain levels of shape, there's rules that you have to follow. And, I mean, the guys who are... Not well, not the guys who are taking steroids, but right under that, who are competing and doing all that stuff. There's rules that they have to follow. Right. And the way I see it is, every time you break a rule, however big or however small, at a percentage less of 100 percent that you're going to get to. So every time that you go and you know have that piece of cake, like all right, that's just a percentage less that like that now I have to I have to come back on. And there's a lot of people who advocate for cheat meals and. Uh, there's signs backing it up saying that, you know, if you eat sugary, shitty food, then the next day, like, you're really primed to build muscle and stuff like that. Right. But I, I've never done that stuff, and I've seen great results. But uh, obviously, it's different for every person. Um, but, yeah, I just live my life like that. And uh, when people ask me, you know, well, why don't you just have this? Like, oh, I brought cookies in. Like, just have one. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Like, you know. What, what, what's the point? It, it tastes good for a second, and then it's done, and then it's gone, and then it's over. So I just skip over that part where you're tasting it and you're feeling that euphoria. I just skip that in my brain to the after part where it's it's gone and it's done and you don't even taste it anymore. Wow. Kind of weird, but yeah, that's how I do it. Well, I, I think it's, um, I think it's uh, a reframing of what it means to be conscious. Like, you're you understand that your happiness is a, a chemical reaction in your body and like your 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 happiness is actually not dependent on and your consciousness is not reliant on that and once you can transcend that's what the buddha was trying to teach that to eliminate yourself from desires this is like a clear example of eliminating yourself from a desire you see the cupcake 
and you understand that, um, like your consciousness, um, is the, is the beautiful thing and that what makes you happy is you wouldn't be, there would be no such thing as happiness without your consciousness, because that is the palette on which you paint that picture of happiness, you know? Um, and so being a blank palette, you actually have the potential to do anything. That's where, why nothingness, emptiness is actually the seed of, of all things. And so like, if you're happy being that baseline, um, I don't know, being at peace with that, you I feel like you kind of understand that like, yeah, my, my brain can do this and that, but like, what's really important is that I appreciate life and, and you understand there's more important things than that 30 second satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it, it drives me crazy just thinking about it, how the lens people will go for that 10 seconds of just, you know, chem chemical-based euphoria that you feel from ingesting the sugars and the fats. It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. People will literally eat themselves to death for those 10-second intervals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um... Eva said, Eva doesn't want, Eva's like, I wouldn't want to live life without enjoyment. And she's like, this is one of my favorite things to do is eat chocolate. She's like, I would, she's like, I literally wouldn't want to live my life if I didn't get to eat chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I hear that's more, more intense for women though, the chocolate. Yeah. Well, I was like, that's fine for now. Like you're, you're perfectly healthy. And, but like sugar's not good for you. Like no matter what you tell yourself, like it's not. And she's like, Oh no, you know how science is always changing and they flip flop. You know how fat was once bad. Now it's good. She's like, you can't trust any of that. It's all in balance. And I'm like, no sugar is empirically bad. You will die yeah, from sugar, it. Sugar is definitely bad. It is. I'm like every bite of chocolate you get is a step closer to Alzheimer's. Cause her family has a history of that. And I'm like, this is what's happening. Like you're giving yourself Alzheimer's. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to get it anyway. And I'm like, well, then you're going to get it 20 years earlier. Do you want it when you're 60 or do you want it when you're 80? And she's like, if I have to live till I'm 80, if, if I get to live till I'm 80 without Alzheimer's, but it means no chocolate, then like, she's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, like, we'll see when the consequences start coming. Like she's in good shape. Like she's not, there's no stress on her heart or on her organs. But once that starts happening, she might have to make some tough decisions, but, but it's only tough in the short term. Like you said, life goes on. It's not the key to your fucking happiness. Yeah. I mean, but then again, who am I to really talk because I smoke weed all the, you know, every day, which Dude, is just a different chemical reaction in my brain. I was just thinking that, but fucking weed is zero calories. Like I, and, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to, I used to smoke a lot of green and, and when I didn't live in Colorado, I smoked regular weed and my, I would cough up a lot of black stuff, um, because I, I was a daily smoker. Um, and so I'd cough up black stuff and I'm like, I know this isn't good for my lungs with the vape pen. I, 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 it creates a lot of, a lot of some, a lot of mucus when I smoke, but it's not black. It's clear all the time. And I'm like. I'm not inhaling black smoke. I'm vaporizing. It's just THC um, and CO2. It's nothing else. Um, and terpenes from the weed. So it's like, 
It's like whatever, dude. It's so much I mean, healthier than sugar. There have been studies though that that show that there's no degradation of the lungs at all from the weed smoke, and actually the contrary that the the THC and the CBD is actually protective, and your lung function actually increases from smoking weed because it's a vasodilator, so it it dilates. Oh right. Um, like the capillaries and the. the the blood vessels and stuff in your lungs and your body. Right. So it actually, over like a, the, over the study over like a 20-year period, they had, uh, it was a double-blind study, they had people that smoke cigarettes, people that smoke cigarettes and weed, and then people that just smoke weed. Right. And they did it like a 20-year study, and the people who just smoked weed had, had increased lung function uh, from a control group. Right. And, right, and they had the control group that smoked nothing. That did nothing. Right. Yeah. Right, right. I remember that study, and it was their their lung capacity too. And one of the theories was that it was that, boom, <laughs> the holding it in. You know, it's like you're yeah, kind of yeah. you're kind of practicing. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the vasodilation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast with Dorian Yates, who was a super famous bodybuilder from the the early to mid nineties, mm. and he was he was just saying how. Um, bodybuilders can't drink because of the calories, so, like, everybody smokes. And he's like, if you see a bodybuilding competition, half those guys are stoners. Like, everybody just blazes all the time. And Joe's like, how often do you smoke? And Dorian says, oh, every day. He's like, I treat it just like taking vitamin C or taking protein. And he's That's like, right. you know, it's, it's, just, it's all positive. There's no negative effects at all. Yeah, and, and you think about the wear and tear you're doing lifting, or if you're an MMA guy, um, the, 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 the swelling, like... God, the pain management, it's like how we oh, yeah. fucking push pharmaceuticals and painkillers, but but this shit is illegal. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Cannabis, cannabis is, the perfect, is the perfect medicine. It's got the, the terpenes, like you said. It's got the CBD. It's got the THC. It, it's just perfect. It's the perfect medicine. It just is. Yeah, it's delightful. I mean, it's... I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's delightful. I I think there are side effects, and it's not for every, it's not for everyone. You know, it's definitely oh, yeah. it's not oh, for everyone. Yeah. But like, it is for me, my friend. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I if think you, if you know it, you know it. I feel I like mean, that I should be my worst. <laughs> yeah. God. Sorry, you want me to go? Yeah. No, I want you to go. I was just laughing about the slogan. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I wish we were in the same room so we could like see each other's facial expressions. But um, <laughs> I would say that the 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 real side effects that I see are definitely like minor forgetfulness, um, brain fog occasionally. But it's easy for me to go with that kind of stuff. I mean, sometimes it'll hit you and you'll just be like, "Well, I feel kind of weird. Like, am I still a little high? Like, I don't know." But but I, am I ever not high? I mean, I smoke every day. Like, mo- like definitely at least twice a day. So, am I ever not high? Do I ever want to not be high? Or not? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, a big side effect for me is, like, it requires more effort for me to focus, and it requires more effort for yeah, me to okay. for me to, to concentrate on something that I don't want to concentrate on. So, like, if I smoke right. and go back to work, and I'm, I need to talk about BDR, salute, I need to talk about technology and software... And some guy asked me a question. Yeah. 
or I, I need to like drum up a conversation or, or continue one, I'm like, I have a little bit of fog. Like you said, I'm like, wait, what were we talking about? And I'm like, I got to work really hard yeah. to like figure it out. But I'm like, eh, that's why like most people are just lazy and they're like, eh, fuck it. I'm not going to do any work. But I'm not like that. I'm like, right. nah, son. I'm fucking pushing through, motherfucker. I'm doing this. Yeah, pop through that shit. Yeah, that's like, right. Come on, brain, don't fail me now. Yeah, this is life, motherfucker. No excuses. Yeah. Fuck but that. I, the, the thing is, if you weren't high, you wouldn't even have the motivation to begin. You oh. know what I mean? You wouldn't even care enough to, to start the project. So, so what if you get a little foggy halfway through? If you didn't care about it at all, you wouldn't do anything. So, I mean, the weed just gives me that motivation to care about shit. Because it's just... Life is tough, man. You know what I mean? Like, it wears down on you, so... <laughs> you need something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need some. I, I think I'd be fine with it. Like, I think someday I'll probably evolve past it, but, um... I mean, fuck it, dude. Like, everyone's got something. But, um... No, I think yep. I think one day I'll evolve past it. I'm sure I'd be, I'd be the same person I am now, if not, you know, a better version. But it's like, whatever, dude. I'm completely comfortable being me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm 31. Like I, I'm good at my job. I my friends like me. I got my shit in order. It's like if I want to fucking smoke, that's what I'm gonna fucking do. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I have a prescription for it now. So I have a prescription. I'm a I'm a patient. This is my medicine. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And and it's a different um, world out there. Oh my god, is it a different world? We got a team of eight on my little sales team and um four of us are just fucking are are evangelists of the vape pen. Blazers. Oh yeah. Blazers. So it's like so typical like Denver office. But like we're all like super smart. We're all we're all salespeople, so we're like really motivated and trying to close. We're sharks trying to close deals, but we're all fucking vaped up. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great <laughs> way to live. Oh, it's the fucking delightful. Um, yeah, it's like there, there's definitely better ways to live than other ways. Uh huh. You know what I mean? There's definitely like there's definitely I wouldn't say there's any right answers, but there's definitely better answers. Uh. And I, I just feel like including weed in your repertoire somewhere, even if it's kind of day, like every once in a while, just to hit that spot and get in that place and understand things from that point of view, I think that's just so crucial to the human condition. I agree. It's not like cocaine. I would not say that about heroin. Or I'd be like, you know what? You know what? Some people in the office are just, they just need a little bit of cocaine. It's like that's... I don't think that. You know what I mean? But I yeah. do think that about coffee. I think that coffee is a stimulant. Um, you know, I think it's I think that some people can perform better with caffeine. And I think we we understand I mean, I that. Do. Right? I think we understand that as a society that some people perform better with caffeine. I don't, but some people do. Yeah, hell yeah. Mainline that shit. Yeah. And, like, so some people perform better with a little bit of fucking sativa in their system. And I'm one of the... No, I don't. I actually don't perform better. I just prefer it. I just want to perform yeah. that way. And that's how I feel about coffee and uh, weed. Yeah. yeah. 
it just boosts your motivation. I feel like if I, if I don't have coffee, I might not say something I'm thinking. Right. But if I do have coffee, I will say that thing that I was thinking and, you know, extrapolate on that and right. be able to have a dialogue with someone that I wouldn't necessarily even feel like having if I didn't have any coffee. And I'm going to bring it back to the full circle to the food thing. What the fuck do you think is bringing muffins to a meeting that no one wants to go to? Like, what is that? You're bribing somebody with fucking sweet treats that are going to that are going to destroy their their effort and creativity because inflammatory wheat and and cytokines are going to be invading your stupid brain. You know what I mean? You're going to have grain brain all afternoon. What the fuck is that? You know? Yeah. It's yeah, bribery. Like it's the same the thing, sugar, man. Sugar lights up the same place. Yeah, that cocaine does. It's the same thing, but it's literally worse. I would argue, like, you know, that sometimes they bring in a bunch of bagels in our office in the morning for free for everyone. Mm-hmm. And me and my coworker, yeah. who's a big workout guy, we just look at each other. We're like, well, I guess, like, in 20 minutes, nothing's getting done because everyone's, everyone's uh, glycemic index is just going to spike and then get destroyed, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their blood sugar is going to go on a roller coaster. And it's like, that's not good for work. Like, you're giving somebody a drug. You're giving them a fucking bump of cocaine in the morning. Hey, sorry you had to wake up at 7. Here's your here's your cocaine. That's literally what I see, you know? Everybody do their line? All right, good. Now let's clean the room. Yeah. that They're like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. You know, oh, we got a board meeting. Here's some fucking drugs to get you to, as an apology for you having to do your work. It's like... That's worse, I think, than weed, where it's like, this is not going to destroy your brain function, in my opinion, you know, for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. Do do you have a favorite healthy meal, or like, do you have a uh, just give me one of your favorite healthy dishes real quick. I mean, I'm all about efficiency, so my... What I eat is definitely mainly bananas Calm. and crunchy peanut butter. Oh. Like, no joke, that's like 85% of what I eat is just bananas and peanut butter. Dude, I should get back on the banana train. I do apples and, and almond butter and peanut butter, but I should go back into the banana yeah. spectrum. Almond butter is just made by the devil. It's so good. Mm. Yup. Uh, I wish that almond butter was cheaper because uh, peanuts, being um, being legumes, they have um, phytic acid, and so this is why peanuts and beans are not paleo, but almonds are. Um, it's mainly because of this phytic acid component, and. Phytic acid is not necessarily going to do damage to you, but what phytic acid does is it actually blocks your ability to absorb other good things, apparently. So... Now, is that affected by the roasting process? Because I know that there are things in raw peanuts that can, like, mess with your thyroid, but once it's heated to a certain amount, which roasting does, it destroys those compounds. So I wonder if that's along the same line. Yeah, I think heating and soaking, like, you know how you you need to soak beans overnight? You can't eat a raw bean. It's because of the phytic acid. Yeah. So I'm sure, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's why peanuts need to be roasted or boiled. But um, I think there is some left over. Yeah. But 
that's why, like, when I'm on a budget, which which happens pretty often, like, I go for the peanut butter because yeah. it's fucking three dollars versus eight dollars. You know. Oh yeah, almond butter is expensive. Yeah. So I I I like eating healthy, but it's I I've learned enough about it where I think it's like eh, it's not bad for you like like grains are like wheat is for me, but it's not necessarily good. It's just kind of neutral. Um, it's got the protein. It ta- it, it it takes away your ability to absorb some shit, but it's like eh, everything either fucking kills you or doesn't. Right? I, everything fucking gives you cancer these days. So who cares? I mean, yeah, we we have completely poisoned our entire food supply. It doesn't matter what <laughs> yeah. you're eating; it has chemicals in it. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's insane. Uh, Everything from the cows that are eating the grass that's been irradiated by like smoke from the nearby factories, and just the the ocean being full of like microplastics, and all the fish eating the plastic in the ocean, and just everything filling with plastic, and they're finding. Like pelican-like birds with just stomachs full of hard plastic, so they can't tell the difference between, uh, you know, a fish or a piece of plastic floating that's the same color. It's just crazy, dude. We have completely destroyed all of our food sources. So it'll be interesting to see the next fifty years. Uh huh. And I, I always see metaphors. I see everything as a metaphor of everything else. I see the world as two mirrors looking at each other. And so when you describe the mm-hmm. state of the the world with tainted grass and, and the environment. It's, to me, like, to me, the, the the human body and the universe are the same thing. We're just microcosm and macrocosm, and our soul, like I said, is an illusion that our brain created. And really, our soul is the entire universe, and then the body is inside the soul, just experiencing part of it. Um, and so it's, it appears that the, the, the general environment and the state of the world is a perfect reflection of the state of a human body. Like, like you said, you are what you eat. So, so no matter what goes in your body, it comes from the earth. If the earth is polluted, your body is going to be polluted. And so you look at the environment and the earth and, and it's this beautiful, natural, flourishing thing that grows naturally and, and grows effortlessly, but it's being combated by this disgusting um, pollution and toxicity that was created by its own creation. Like, it's so, so fucking bizarre that we sprouted on this earth and we, now we start killing it. Um, but it's this, yep. t- this struggle, this turmoil, this struggle between nature and humanity, between growth and death, you know, probiotic, antibiotic. And um, it's exactly what's going on inside my body. I feel healthy. I feel like a thriving, growing, beautiful living thing. But I also feel weighted down somehow by and toxified by the world, you know? Yeah, so I stopped drinking tap water. Fucking chemicals and that shit. Oh, dude, I just looked at the website. I got to stop drinking tap water. I just looked at the website for Denver. It is killing me. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, don't drink that tap water. I don't care where you are. Do not drink the tap water. It sucks, dude. You know how many fucking chemicals are in that tap water? All the dissolved Prozac and all the... I know, I know, I know. You're right. I got to get off of that. Oh, my God, it's crazy, dude. We've poisoned everything. Ah, it's crazy, I tell you. Oh, you're uh, right, dude. I got of America is obese. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So this is happening. This is a reality right now. Uh huh. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. This is uplifting. Eh, well, actually, um, no, I no. This is super depressing. You're right, and it's like I I don't even want to be reminded about the water I'm drinking, but I need to be reminded. 
and I, I know I can change that. So thank you for <laughs> reminding me. That'll that'll be good for me. <laughs> um, I do yeah, have. S- I mean, to give you an example, if you put fish in tap water, they die. Wow. You have to like you have to put in chemicals that absorb the heavy metals and the oh, and all the sh- and the chlorine and shit that's in there and the fluoride. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Moving on. <laughs> um, well, I have um, I have another another revelation that that came to me the past couple weeks. Um, so I, I'd love to unveil that now because it is a little a little shim, shimmer of optimism. Okay. Um, I'm I'm starting I'm starting um, a, a life a life program an educational program and I'm starting a website based around it um, and um, I'm starting a program for people to enrich themselves until the ultimate goal is for people to live more purposeful lives and more meaningful lives and um, yeah I'm starting a website um, it's called cultivatingpurpose.com and um, it's going to house a, uh, a program called the Cultivating Purpose uh, Program and it'll be kind of a weekly step-by-step program that'll be completely free. So I'm going to be launching that October 1st. And this is the official announcement for that. Oh, are there any more details you can give me about the program itself? I can give you plenty of details, sir. Um, the, the website will, will, will start going online in the next week or so. Um, and the resources will start being populated from there. But you'll get an idea from that with the mission statement and stuff. But... The, the, the reason I'm starting this website is because I think that people are, are living normal, um, productive um, lives like myself, but a lot of people um, feel like they want to have more purpose in their life or they feel like they're missing something in life that would give them more meaning. And a lot of people, I think, feel lost and they feel like there's, there's a, a missing component in their life that if they had that missing component, they'd be living more purposefully, more meaningfully, and more satisfactory lives. And so I've developed a program that um, will allow somebody to live more meaningful, satisfactory lives using easy steps that I deliver um, weekly. Make sense? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, it's going to... Cool. Yeah, it's going to be a multimedia um, sort of platform. So, so there will be videos, um, there will be um, teachings and, and speaking um, kind of lectures. There's going to be poems. Um, there's going to be guided meditations, a whole lot of guided meditations um, in audio form for people to, to do that and in different settings, a whole lot of different ones, which is cool. Um, we're going to have recipes um, for, for, um, cooking for yourself, healthy cooking for yourself, indulgent, uh, cooking for family and friends. Um, there's going to be adventure ideas, um, ways in which you can have a a small amount of resources, but have a lot of meaning and purpose in your life. Um, and a lot of education, a lot of learning about the world and kind of reframing, where we stand in the world and, and what it means to be human, what it means to be going on this path of life and um, identifying what's important to us and those around us and, and making a difference. And then also providing easy tools for people to make a difference if they want. Nonprofits, volunteer work, 
um, things like that. I'll try and provide resources. So it'll kind of be like a one-stop shop for, uh, for transforming yourself into a different human if you want. I like that. I, I think it's cool that the idea is to kind of take education into your own hands and to give education back to the people because learning has kind of become a bad word. Mm. Uh, with the way that school is set up, it just makes people hate learning mm. because it forces them in this, you know, eight-hour prison of just knowledge, information retention. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I would call it. It's prison of information retention where you're just forced to regurgitate facts um, that may or may not be true, that may or may not, you know, further some agenda of either the individual teacher who might have extreme views because you don't get vetted to be a teacher, really. It's just all on your educational merits. Um, so either that or the current governing regime, whatever their agenda may be, if they're pushing different things into the classroom. So I totally understand homeschooling, but I feel like this is more like an adult self-schooling, which I think is really cool. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I want it, I want it to be for people of all ages and people of all backgrounds. Um, you know, I practice Buddhism and I'm college educated and, and I'm a white man who lives in a city, um, in the U S and, and I, I have money to enjoy myself. So, but, but I don't want those factors to, to be the, you know, to determine you living more meaningfully. I want, people with different amounts of resources and different backgrounds to also be able to live more meaningfully. So I'm going to try and make it um, all encompassing. So no matter who you are, you can kind of hop on and, um, you know, have some fun stuff. And, and my goal is, is for people to, to get into this and be happier. Um, but then also there'll be other people around them doing it, which, which they'll also be happier. And, you know, when, when everyone's more satisfied, and feel like they're living more meaningful, they're, they're usually more peaceful, and um, just creates a better life for everyone. Yeah, very true. Step one, find some magic mushrooms. <laughs> I can explain the first three steps if you'd like. Sure. Cool. Uh, magic mushrooms would be delightful. I, I encourage that if, you, if you're ready for it. But <laughs> um, Yeah. The, the first step, uh, actually, uh, the first step in the course of the program is to, is to, um, to identify what's important to you. I, I can't believe it took me so many years of my life to do this. I, I don't think I had ever actually wrote down what is important to me and why is it important to me. I always knew it inherently, but I never really identified and wrote it down and thought about it. And, um, right. and so... I'll talk a lot about that. I'll have a lot of resources about that. But every week um, there will be kind of tasks or homework or, or action items, whatever you want to call it, um, to, to, to live and experience kind of the, the lessons of each step of the course. And so by the end of the week you can do those lessons and do the homework and feel more fulfilled and kind of put that into practice in your regular life. Um, so you'd write a list of what's important to you, but you'd also identify three or four people around you in your life and, 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 and find out what's important to those people and find out why. And, um, just that simple act I think is fulfilling and it brings meaning and purpose. And, and also it serves as a basis for the program from once we establish what's important to us and those around us, then we can go from there and start building more purposeful, meaningful lives. Now, are you going to have any kind of uh, 
reward or incentive for completion of different programs, or would that be counterintuitive to the entire uh, kind of idea of what mm. you're pursuing here? The completion is the reward. Like, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you complete, like, three lessons, you get, like, 20 brain bucks. Or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. brain bucks for a free coffee. Oh, dude, karma points? Yeah, karma points and brain bucks. Yeah, earn 20,000 karma points, get a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, get a free T-shirt that says, I had 20,000 right. points. Well, that's what's going to be cool. That's what's going to be great about this program. It's it's re- I give you all the resources and you have step-by-step, step, but you realize that it's all you. It's all inside yourself. It's this unlocked potential. So you write that list of what's important to you. You, you find out about other people. And once you do that and you reflect on it for 15 or 20 minutes, you think like, wow, I really gained something there. Like I didn't... I didn't have that experience before this, and that experience was meaningful in some way. It's going to help me moving forward. Um, it's it's a great reward, and um, and and also everything about this twenty this this program, however many steps it ends up being, um, the cultivating purpose program will be completely free. Every single resource will be free. Um, because I believe that we all deserve kind of to live with more purpose and it's my gift. And, and to be honest, web hosting is not too expensive. It's, it's just creative energy and time. Um, but I'll, I'll, you know, ask for encouraged donations so that I can put more content out there and, um, market more to get more people interested, to get more people living more purposefully, to make them more satisfied, to make the world even better, to and then they'll donate so that I can market more to get more people. I want I want millions of people on this. I want the whole world to to have fun. You know, go home from work and and do some do some homework on living more meaningfully, living more purposefully. And if you get a certain amount of web traffic, traffic, you can get some good ad revenue going and pay and cover all your costs. Yeah, that'd be nice. So yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to have my cost covered to to what I think is making the world, um, I don't know, more empathetic, friendlier, more fun. You know, I think it's gonna make the world more fun. Hopefully, that's my goal. Yeah, that's a, all good things. So starting October first, cultivatingpurpose dot com, Lee. I'm psyched. Cultivatingpurpose dot com. Mm-hmm. What up? Slash brain bucks. You get 10 free brain bucks when you sign up for cultivatingpurpose.com. Dude, brain bucks and karma points are the best thing ever. <laughs> Fucking brain bucks. And the bucks is spelled B-U-X. B-U-X is mm-hmm. bucks, just so you know. And the brain bucks are quasi. Brain bucks. K-W-A-Z-Y, quasi brain bucks. Quasi brain bucks. Oh. Yeah. Um, are you... Uh, are you, are you cultivating anything on the horizon? I know three stivals coming in, in September, but what else is uh, going on for your summer? Um, really just uh, trying to push myself musically, trying to work with some new people, branch out, uh, with some different projects going on right now. Um, yeah, it's a, a season of uh, turmoil, but uh, uplifting, uh, upliftingness. That's really cool. Switching it up sounds interesting. Tell me a little bit about that, going to a yeah. new, playing with someone new or going to a different style. What's that like? Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part of uh, furthering 
my musical ambitions is definitely finding people who are not only very talented, but also willing to work um, and willing to go down avenues they wouldn't necessarily go down on their own, but, you know, for the good of the, the collective, you know, going down certain paths and trying out different things, even if you don't think it'll turn out well, just being open to trying new things. Um, so that's, that's definitely the, the three biggest things are uh, talent, uh, willing to work, and openness to new ideas. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times if you only have one or two of those, it just doesn't work out. Um, so like our, our current drummer uh, is really, really fantastic. He goes by the name Techno Zelda. Uh, he's also an uh, electronic music producer um, and just an in, insane, uh, phenomenal drummer with an amazing style and just doing stuff that I, I've never heard anybody do. It's great. I think he's one of the best drummers I've ever heard in my life, and it's an honor to play with him. But his main focus is on his electronic music. So I've, I've tried multiple times to, to, you know, shift his focus and say, hey, you know, if we really work at this and we really, you know, get together every, every week or every two weeks to, to practice and try new things, um, just a quick note, he lives in Harrisburg, I live in the Poconos, and our guitar player lives um, in Shemokin. So we're all kind of spread out a little bit. But he, he's just not... As many times as I've tried to change his mind, his just he loves his psytrance, making electronic music, and drumming is just kind of it's something he's in, insanely good at, and something he used to be really passionate about, but just kind of isn't as passionate about drumming as he is about electronic music. And you know, I can I you know everybody makes their own decisions, and I totally respect that. And I think he's making a huge mistake because it's much I wouldn't say it's easier, but I would say it's much easier to create electronic music and learn that within a short amount of time than it is to become a drum prodigy or any instrument where you're using multiple hands in real time to do multiple things uh, with a live band. Um, and, you know, that, that's where we're at. We've been playing with him for three years. Um, and it's just never really moved past that point. He never really reaches out to us to play. It's always us getting everything together and doing all the promoting. And we bring the drum set, and he just kind of shows up and plays. But when he plays, it's just on another level of insanity, <laughs> nothing, nothing I've ever heard. So each time we play with him, I'm just like, well, uh, I guess that's why uh, we still play with him, and we like don't kick him out of the band. <laughs> but it's tough after a while, you know. That it's it's me and Anthony and uh, and our drummer uh, Jacob, who is Techno Zelda. I mean, Anthony and I do everything. We book all the shows, practice, uh, do all the flyers and posters and promoting and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a lot for two people to do, but we do it. Um, so I just think about bands that have like 10 people in them and how wide their network is and their skill sets. And everybody's able to do different things in different ways. And for us, it's just it's always just in me and Anthony, just the two of us doing everything. So it's just a much different kind of thing. So we started playing with uh, some... Uh, couple different drummers and saxophone players and guitar players, just trying to feel out where we can go with the skills that we have and uh, just trying to try new things. So that's pretty much what we're doing now. Wow, very cool. <laughs> saxophone. Saxophone. Me and Eva talk about timeless Simpsons jokes and Homer singing into a saxophone because that's how he thinks it's played is, is incredible. 
There's actually a documentary that's coming out or just came out called The Problem with a Pooh. And there's this whole movement um, from a lot of prominent Indian actors and celebrities of how uh, a poo is played by a white man. Yeah, like, Hank Azaria. So many, he does the voice, the voice of Mo. Yeah, he does the voice of Mo and so many different characters. But I, oh, what is his name? I can't remember it. Hank Azaria. Uh, Hank Azaria, yeah. Um, and all these people are just like, this has been going on for 28 years and it's just, we can't tell it anymore. It's just people are like racist and so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny because Simpsons is a very progressive show and that is one they're making. It's like Dave Chappelle um, and his dilemma when he left the Chappelle show. It's like you're making fun of the stereotypes, but a lot of people are just laughing at the stereotype and not laughing at the intellectual absurdity. Uh, yeah, the ironic observation, you know. Welcome to Quickie Mart. Like that's yep. making fun of us thinking that that's what Indian people are like, but the, but unfortunately there's tons of idiots who are like, "Ha, that's what Indians are like," you know. Yeah, like as a convenience store owner, a cab driver. Mhm. Yeah, it's not our fault. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, Simpsons. They've been doing it. Mm. 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 Well, sir, we might have to put this on hold for another week or so. Yeah, it's been good. I hate to be so... so terminal, I suppose. Yeah? Is that, is that okay? All right. No shame in finishing early. Oh, yeah. There it is. Hey. Dude, if I ever fucked for an hour and 17 minutes, that would be... I'd be chafing, you know? (laughs) In my younger days. Mm Mm-hmm. I do chafe quite a bit. But on that note... (laughs) On on that delightful note... Yeah, I'm an early-to-bed guy. To break the fourth wall here... It's 9.48 mountain time, local time, and I need to get to bed. I'm a tired boy. It's 11.48 here. Holy Crazy. shit. Time is so relative. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do this again soon, shall we? We shall. All right, cool. Well, um, we, yeah. st- we actually, oh, Lee, I forgot to mention, we started with uh, Naked City and John Zorn while we were calling you uh, from last... Uh, podcast. Oh, so. excellent. Yeah. Excellent choice. Yeah, so we'll we'll take it out here with some John Zorn. This is going to be Masada. Have you ever heard of his Masada band? I climbed uh, Mount Masada in Israel. Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah, it's um it's it's jazz fused with uh Kletzmer music, you know, the Jewish chamber music. Yeah, yeah. And the result is kind of this Mediterranean Middle Eastern surfer um sound it's really cool so we're uh, we're gonna leave on that on that note we'll play a little bit for the outro that sound good sounds good right. sounds pretty necessary oh all right let's let's see what this is all about john zorn electric masada one of their live performances so oh we'll leave with that this is uh aj and lee and John Zorn. And uh, this is the Unnecessary Podcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>